This podcast is brought to you by real-life captioned eroticas. Check the link in the description for the sexy, visualized stories of your dreams. Welcome to My Sexy Stories. Enjoy your night or the start of your day, made spicy by our imaginative stories. Feast your eyes to the inspiration of this story, Jessa Rhodes. Check her Instagram linked below and enjoy listening to My Sexy Stories. The next story is posted by user Succumb to Me from r slash erotica. The title of this post is Hell Had Come to the Kingdom of Azania. Sit back and enjoy the story. Captain Felt folded a scroll of parchment and placed it neatly atop the ever-growing pile on his desk. Another report, another unexplained disappearance at the southern border, with the locals laying the blame at the feet of demons. Demons. Damn superstitious southerners. He growled. In truth, the news was terribly frustrating for him. The South had proven to be a much greater headache than he had anticipated. Every few days news would float into camp that more people were missing across the territory. A month prior, when he had taken this post, the number of missing persons had been normal. You expect some in a region this big. But over these last few weeks the incidents had grown at an alarming rate. Triple what was expected. The captain walked stiffly to his balcony and leaned against the stone battlements, watching the forest canopy sway in the breeze of a sweltering. Arid night. The moon was lost amidst a sea of dark clouds, her light barely able to wind its way between the tangle of branching tree limbs. He had been given the south because of his youth. It was a region made up of vast wilderness and farmers, as far from glory as glory could be. The brass was hesitant to promote someone so young to a true command, like in the north. But they couldn't ignore the air of a great house either. So a compromise had been reached. He would secure the south as a test of his ability. If he succeeded and showed the brass what he was capable of, he would be promoted to lieutenant commander and moved to the northern holds, where the greatest military minds of his generation were stationed. After that, maybe a place in Azania's history books. Velt smiled at the thought and turned his eyes back to the present and to the men of his command, his current band of 45. A mix of soldiers, laborers, masons and carpenters. The craftsmen had performed a miracle in getting this overgrown, abandoned fortification back in serviceable condition. The camp was looking neat and orderly too, with tents erected in straight lines. Trenches dug about the perimeter with wooden walls still to come. M.U. Keep, as it was called, in the days of old, would serve well as his central hub to southern order. A light, a light on the road, a watchman yelled. The chime of the alarm bells began to ring high and frantic. The bells set the entire camp to motion, Squad leaders yelled commands, soldiers scurried, donning armor, grabbing pikes and shields from the weapon racks. Preparing for battle, Captain Felt turned from the battlements, snatching up his sword belt as he did, before quickly running to the lichen-coated door of his chambers. The hinges groaned in protest. As it swung open, the lieutenant was waiting for him in the shadowy hall. Full silver plate gleaming in the torchlight, the man snapped a quick salute against his breastplate. Sir, wagon approaching. Skelt tried to flag it down at the guard house, but it barreled right through the barricade. The captain nodded and the pair began a quick descent down a spiraling stone staircase to the bottom floor of the tower. Did they spot the driver? More? The lieutenant shook his head. 
Skelt barely got an eye on it before it crashed through the checkpoint dot 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 to horses, moving like they were being whipped by the devil himself. Velt groaned and bounded across the long stretch of stone hallway out into the encampment. Don't you start with that devil shit again, Lieutenant. I have to take it from the locals. I don't have to take it from you. Just keeping with Southern tradition, Captain Moore laughed. One of the scouts nearly broke his damn horse's legs, just getting here to warn us. The chaos of the camp had turned into an exemplary model of discipline and order. All in the time it took to get downstairs, thanks to the constant, rigorous drills he'd put them through this past month, 20 soldiers stood at the ready, organized into neat rows of five. Lieutenant Moore broke step with the captain, positioning himself in front of the formation. Velt folded his arms behind his back and stood a fair distance away. All right, you green bastards, Moore shouted. The captain wants a word. Silence fell like a stone. The laborers, masons and carpenters rushed by, headed for the protection of Emiyuki. They would stay within the confines of the basement until the threat was dealt with. I'm sure many of you have already heard by now, but we have an unknown rider coming from the south. The scouts report a single wagon, but we need to be prepared for a potential enemy ambush. You've all heard the rumors. Be vigilant, be smart, call out anything odd, but don't approach the wagon recklessly or go anywhere alone. Is that understood? The men roared in answer. Absolutely dickless. The lot of you, more yelled. Your captain just asked you a question. Answer him like men, not pants-pissing boys. The men did not disappoint. Their answering cry shook the camp. Squads one, two, and four line up along the road, take torches and pikes to the front, if that wagon doesn't stop on its own. Bring it down, Moe called. His voice rang like thunder. Squad three, defend the keep. If anything approaches the trench, call out and give them help. But keep an eye on our craftsmen, they're the priority. Squad 5, you'll sit in reserve at the top of the hill. The soldiers roared and slammed gauntlet-clad fists too. Squad leaders broke rank and called out a frenzy of orders, urging the men to task with sharp cadence calls and clear voices. The entire encampment was built atop a large hill, set against a mountain. Emio Keep was the only forking pathway. The road south could take until you got closer to the border and it began to branch off into dozens of tiny villages. If you followed the road north, for 10 miles you would run into the town of Stivers, a logging colony of 500 or so people, and the path to the capital of Azania would open up. If the wagon was carrying anything dangerous and managed to slip by, the town of Stivers would pay the price. Squads won, two and four formed rank at the fort, shields and pikes at the ready. A motley assortment of torches burned along the road. As they finished setting up, the captain could hear the beat of frantic hooves and the clack of the wagon's wheels along the road. The noise echoed through the entire valley. Lieutenant, the captain said, almost under his breath, joined the pipe crew on the road. I want your eyes down there. I sir. The big lieutenant took off at a sprint towards the fort, moving so easily in the burdensome plate that Felt couldn't help but be impressed. The captain walked, hands clenched behind his back, to where Squad 5 had taken position at the entrance to the camp. He could see the tension, the anticipation of what was to come, written on the soldiers' faces. The wagon came into view, a light like a surging comet, hurtling towards the lieutenant's group with no sign of stopping. Moore's voice trumpeted above the rattling of pikes and the metallic clang of shields being hefted into position. The horses met the shield. A great crash of steel erupted, like the pounding of a giant blacksmith's hammer. 
The terrified horses screamed, wood splintered. Moore shouted something the captain couldn't hear and then the light of the wagon toppled. The wagon's canvas caught fire, and it wasn't long before it spilled over to the frame. The lantern must have broken during the fall and spilled oil. Moore's voice cried out once more, and his commands were echoed by the squad leaders. Pull back to safety, they yelled. A lone horse galloped past the men and followed the fork towards the encampment road. Squad 5, at the ready, Captain Felt bellowed. The squad leader's voice echoed the captain's command. The men of squad 5 fell into formation. Three men at the front with shields at the ready and two men behind, using the shields to keep the pike tip steady. The blaze at the road grew and sent crackling cinders of gold into the midnight sky. A thick column of black smoke poured from the wreckage. It must have been carrying barrels of pitch, felt thought. Reckless. Stupid. He would have words with the driver if he survived. As the horse from the wreck made its way up the hill it began to slow to a trot, its flanks pumping like bellows. Barely able to catch its breath, Velt finally caught a good look at the beast for the first time as it entered the circle of torchlight at the top of the camp. Squad 5, at ease, Velt hollered. He recognized that spot of white fur at its neck. The chestnut-colored draft horse snorted. Velt's stomach heaved. It was Mero's horse, Rickard. Mero was a civilian that had been commissioned to ferry soldiers and craftsmen to the southernmost strategic keep, Earth's Hold. Velt sent them three days ago to prepare the fortification for his arrival. What had happened? Velt stepped forward cautiously. Rickard was a gentle horse, but even the most placid horse would kick if it was scared enough. Rickard was petrified. The captain could see it in his eyes. Calm down, Rickard. It's me, it's Velt. Velt placed his hand in front of the draft horse's snout, letting him catch his scent. The horse snorted and stepped against the captain. Velt caught the bridle and ran his fingers soothingly along the stiff white patches of hair that dotted Rickard's nose. Every muscle in Rickard's neck was trembling. Draft horses weren't bred to sprint. Something must have spooked him good to get him to run like this. Herod, get him to the stables. Let him drink and eat all he likes. A member of Squad 5 fell out of rank, took the bridle and led the horse to the stables. Velt had to see the wagon. For himself, he ran at a sprint towards the wreckage. Thick gouts of hellish yellow flame and black columns of acrid smoke poured into the night sky, obscuring what little starlight they had. As the captain closed the distance to the burning wagon, more fell into step beside it. The horses hit us headlong. Captain, strangest damn thing I've seen in my life. Before I knew it, one of the men had put a pipe through the poor beast's chest, then the wagon tipped. Forgive me, Captain, but unless I'm blind, that's Marrow's wagon and those are Marrow's horses, ain't it? The captain nodded. The body of Abel, a willful, stubborn black horse, lay in the dirt with a broken pipe shaft through his chest. I didn't know it was Marrow's wagon till the entire thing was on fire. Captain, I should have stopped them. Tried to calm the beast down. You did the right thing, Lieutenant. If these horses got past us and hit Stivers, we'd be pulling burnt corpses from the town's ash heap in the morning. Velt put his hand on Abel's head, kneeling down to whisper a soft prayer. He had lost men in combat before, but for some reason the death of a good beast always cut him the deepest. He'd grown up raising horses at his family's villa and he'd always loved them. People were complicated always hiding behind subterfuge, waiting to show you who they really were. But horses, they would always show you exactly how they felt. 
Mord, take 15 men and march on Earth's hold at once. I want to know what the hell is happening here and why. A captain will get to the bottom of it. Moore whirled and barked out orders in his gruff baritone. The men began to double time back to the camp. Coming, Captain, Moore asked over his shoulder. That was when they both heard a rustle in the trees. A branch snapped beneath the weight of something's foot. Both the captain and Moore had their swords drawn in an instant. Formation, Moore hollered. The soldiers cut off from their run and began to stack themselves into a tight cluster at the fort. Captain felt moved backwards, never losing sight of the tree line until he felt Moore's hand clap him on the shoulder and guide him back into formation. The rustling grew louder, grew closer. Whatever it was, it was running. The men waited, listening, as the noise grew. Velt squinted, were those eyes, eyes that burned like fire. Crimson stones set in velvet midnight. Crunch, crunch, crunch. The forest bed played like a discordant symphony. Something was coming. The wagon's fire spit golden embers along the road causing thousands of tiny shadows to elongate over the brush. Weapons at the ready, Moore shouted. The squad leaders echoed the command, and the pikes came sliding over the shields. The silhouette that emerged from the dark was almost human-looking, but the lines were wrong, distorted, twisted. The captain's heart slammed in his chest. Every movement was wrong. Every shadow a poor facsimile of humanity. Those eyes, where had they gone? A woman stepped into the light of the burning wagon. It wasn't until she had collapsed, to her knees, rending the quiet with her sobs, that the captain's fingers stopped squeezing the hilt of his sword. Two men broke rank and ran to the woman, a decision that would cost them dearly if this were an ambush. Moore shouted for them to get back in line, but they ignored his command. The pair pulled the woman to her feet and guided her back to the formation. Moore shot them a dangerous glance that would have withered the most battle-hardened man. Sheepishly, the two soldiers fell back into place under the menacing eyes of their lieutenant. The woman's hair was snowy white from the deepest frost of winter. Thin, pallid lines drifted in a soft breeze across an achingly beautiful face. She was dressed in an old gray tunic with matching trousers, the style of the South. A farmer, Velt thought, My name is Captain Velt of His Majesty King Lear's Royal Army. You're safe now. The woman threw her arms around the captain pressing against him with desperate strength. Underneath that tunic were the softest curves he'd ever felt in his life. Be bandits along the road, she rasped, breathless. Her voice was soft and lovely, even her words, drawn from quivering lips, stayed with him long after she was finished speaking. The woman's skin was fever hot. Velt curled an arm around her back, letting her cry into his shoulder. It's all right, you're safe now, he repeated gently. The captain turned his eyes to Moore who nodded in understanding if there were bandits on the road. It might explain what had happened to Merrill and the rest of his men. What's your name? Felt asked. The woman's breath came out in a rush against the captain's neck and sent sparks dancing down the length of his spine. Alyssa. It took a moment for Felt to gather his wits. Pull it together, man. He thought this was a citizen that needed help. He grabbed her arms and gently pried her away. Come, we must get back to camp. You'll be safe there. Felt placed a hand on her back, guiding her towards the encampment. If you'll consent to stay here for the night, we can get you someplace safe in the morning. It was only then, when she turned, that Felt noticed a patch of blood above her shoulder. You're hurt, he exclaimed. Alyssa looked down at her shoulder and then back at the captain, as if noticing the blood for the first time. Her pale hair curled around the face, 
that could only be rivaled by paintings depicting the gods and goddesses of legend. Her eyes, cut from the deepest emerald, were a tangible weight that called him like a siren song. Alyssa nodded absently, her eyes distant. She took the captain's arm and squeezed. The poor girl was clearly in shock. By the time the pair had walked back to camp, Moore had already dispensed swift discipline. The two soldiers that had broken rank lay on the ground, breathing heavily. The rest of the men were busy striking tents from orderly lines and gathering supplies in rough carry sacks. They would be ready to march soon. Tristan felt called. Take this woman to my chambers. Gather ointment, bandages, food and water. It was with reluctance that Alyssa let go of the captain's arm and allowed the soldier to guide her to the keep. In truth, Felt regretted seeing her go too. Her warmth had been oddly comforting. Moore's eyes followed Alyssa. There was a sway to her walk. The gray linens hugged her hips like a second skin as if they were too small for her. The fabric bunched with each step, accentuating delicately muscled legs and the right curve of her backside. Now that's a sight I won't soon be forgetting, Moore grunted. Lieutenant, felt caution. Moore grinned. Aye, sir. Take some of the scouts with you for the journey. When you get to Earth's hold I want a full report. I'm sending word to our runners and stivers for more men to be dispatched from the capital. The captain said, matter-of-factly. Moore's eyebrow quirked up at that. That necessary, sir. The brass will think you can't monitor. The captain cut him off with a sharp gesture. Fuck my commission, lieutenant. I can't play politics when the men under my command are at risk. I'll deal with the fallout. Moore's smile widened to a ravenous grin. Aye, sir. I'll look forward to serving under your command in the South for the next 20 years. Velt laughed and clapped his hand on the lieutenant's plated shoulder. Be careful out there, Moore. The lieutenant saluted, hand to chest and bellowed. Right, you sorry sacks of shit. We leave in five minutes. If you're not ready in time, we'll be joining these miserable fuckers. He gestured pointedly to the two men on the ground. If you want to listen to more of my sexy stories, go subscribe and be regaled by five stories each and every day. Thank you for listening to my sexy stories.